Welcome everyone to the Rasal Show. I'm your host Rasal Chaudhry. I can't wait to jump into this podcast episode. Episode number 224, we have a special guest, Mr. Phil Fraser. So in this episode, we'll discuss with Phil the topic of how he started his journey into creating a successful business. So don't forget to subscribe, leave a review on the podcast and let's dive in. Hi, Phil. Thank you so much for joining me in this podcast episode. Really appreciate it. How are you today? I'm good. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Yeah, same here. And super excited to learn more about your journey, how you started your business and then ups and downs you had to go through. So before that journey, how it began, like I wanted to know, like before you started your current business, what do you used to do before that? Like you used to work for someone else or you used to do on your own thing? Yeah, so my my business journey was was a strange one. Um, I left university without not, without knowing what I wanted to do. Um, I ended up my first job was as a trainee accountant because mm. uh, my parents thought accountancy would, is a good career, which it is, uh, but it proved not to be a good one for me. Um, and I remember I I spent about a year there as a trainee accountant. When I went in to see the boss to tell him I was leaving, he said um, he said. I think you've made the right decision. So that was that was the end of me in accountancy. Um, and I moved into selling advertising space. So okay. I sold advertising in over a number of different companies, um, both on trade magazines, on consumer magazines, and I ended up selling on Yellow Pages. For those old enough to remember Yellow Pages, I used to sell, sell into them. And I ended up, um, I then made the switch into working for an ad agency. So I spent um, seven years at an ad agency, and this was towards the end of the '90s. And while we were at the, while I was at the ad agency, um, we started having clients coming to us and saying, "I, I want one of these newfangled websites that I've heard about." Um, so I ended up heading up what was what you'd now call a digital division. Um, but it'd been but it been agency side for like it must have been seven years by then and and what a lot of people who work in agencies and a lot of service industries end up doing and and I was the same is it's all right serving somebody else you then think I want to be the boss I want to be making the decisions yeah um, so I left the agency and and I thought this this new internet thing might take off this might be there might be some opportunities in this. Um, but I wasn't sure how successful it'd be. So I thought I want to go and work for a digital company, but I want the safety net of, of somebody serious hmm. um, in case it, the digital world doesn't happen, uh, which all sounds quite strange now when we all live such digital lives. So I ended up at William Hill, the sports betting company. Right. Um, and I was recruited to launch their first ever online casino. And while I was at William Hill, uh, we came across the concept of online bingo. So they had a, an online sports book. They then had the online casino, which I was running, and they were looking at online bingo as a as a possibility. And um, I did a presentation at the board. They decided not not to do online bingo. Carried on doing my job, and I, I left William Hill at the end of the year. And that's if we break there, that's the start point of of, of my business journey. Yeah. So that's great, and. When you started your business, like um, making a leap from like a uh, being employee to like uh, starting your own business, how was it like the journey? So a lot of people, they're fearful, like they're probably waiting for 
20 years, 30 years, they're going to start their own business. They, they're not liking their current job, but making the leave is like really hard. Like, especially when you have like a family members, you have to provide, you have to go bills to pay. So when you decided to you know, I need to start my own thing and I need to go for the unknown. I don't know how am I going to make money or is it going to be successful or not? So how was your mindset during that time? Okay. So I, I then, and, and I know exactly what you mean. That step from being employed to running your own business is, is a huge step, but but there's, there's sort of little steps in between. So I, as I said, I left William Hill and started working in consultancy, mm. specializing in online gaming. Um, and what happened was somebody, and I was working for a couple of big companies um, doing consultancy work, big gaming companies, and somebody came to me and said, um, I'd like to get involved in online gaming. What do you think I should do? And I told this person, you should get into online bingo. That's going to be the next big thing. Right. And almost sort of 24, 48 hours later, I thought, hang on a minute. Why am I telling somebody to get into online bingo? Why don't, why don't I do it? Um, so I, I sort of dusted off this presentation I'd done to online bingo, dusted it around and, and made it into um, a, a business plan for a standalone pay-to-play online bingo site and went out to the market, sort of Dragon's Den style, to get funding for it. Mm -hmm. um, so that was my step into running my own business. However, what happened was I got no traction at all. I got no investment. I got nothing. But right. what I'd done is I'd built a website, I built a very basic website, which listed the... There were about a dozen US online bingo sites at the time. This is so I was going to say, right, we'd be the first people in Britain to do this. Yeah. Um, and on that website, I'd done a very simple pop-up questionnaire to get some demographics on the audience. So sort of age, sex, spend patterns, frequency, rec recency, lifetime value, that type of thing. So when I was doing my pitch, it sounded like I knew what I was talking about. And what happened was um, a number of the US bingo sites that were on our website approached me and said can we advertise on your website right now bearing in mind my background was selling advertising yeah i thought oh hang on a minute i could do this so i said you know send me some money and we'll run some ads and that became the business that's why i always say it was an accidental launch because i didn't go out to launch a directory of online bingo mm -hmm. i went out to try and launch an online bingo pay to play site yeah. Um, so that was the that was the step between the two. But there's there's also a, a sliding doors moment in my story as well. In that I was still looking for a proper job at the time, and I got offered a a, a very nice job in a digital agency. Okay. You know, nice salary, car, all you know, all the usual sort of stuff. And and like you say, at the time we had two young kids. Um, I thought, brilliant. I've I've got a job. And actually, I went in to see them on the Friday before the Monday and said, I'm really sorry, I can't take this job. I've got this opportunity that might happen mm. and walked away. And I remember I remember, I came, I came out of that meeting and so I had to ring my mum and say, mum, you know that new job I told you I've got? <laughs> I decided <laughs> not to take it, you know, with two young kids and, and, and no proper yeah. job. Um, so that was that was a proper sliding doors moment because I could have quite easily taken that job 
yes. a secure paycheck every single yeah, month. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And um, you have like a family to provide as well, like uh, two young children. There's a lot of responsibility yeah. in there. Yeah. So that was that was how the business started, but but very much by accident. Yeah. So you had the calling from your inside. You felt like you can do it, and you had the belief in yourself, right? That's why yeah. like, you all in. So after you starting the leap and getting to like starting the business, like how was your first year look like? Like obviously you're not coming from like starting a business prior to that. So starting yeah. the fresh thing, how did your first year went like? And yeah. I think it was, um, I mean, it was a long time ago now. This is sort of 2000, 2001. Mm. Um, I think I, I, I relied on a lot of the things I'd learned in other jobs. So right. particularly the ad agency I'd worked at. So I sort of understood not how to run a business, but the sort of things that, that worked and didn't work. And obviously my background was selling advertising. So I understood the rate cards and pricing, yeah. but a lot of it we made it up as we went along. And quite early on, we started to get some freelancers in just because you can, you know, particularly when you start up, you know, you've got, 12 hours in a day, whatever it might be that you can do yeah. your work. Unfortunately, my wife was was helping me as well. So she was doing a bit of the work as well. Um, but there's only you've only got a certain capacity to do stuff. So quite early on, we brought in freelancers. So the first year was was properly making it up as we go along, mm. feeding out the bits we could to freelancers and just picking up, really trying to pick up revenue wherever it wherever it landed. So if we had a client who said, um, you know, I don't want to do that type of advert, but can you do me this type of advert? We go, yep, yep, we can do it. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll work it. Out, send me some money, then we'll work okay. out how it actually actually works. Um, yeah. And just simple things like, uh, and a lot of these sound really basic now, but at the time you don't realize, just things like we had a sign-up form so we could collect data so we could send mailings out. And then we had people saying, well, can you send a mailing out on our behalf? Mm. And again, it's like, okay, there's another opportunity to make some money. Yeah. Um, but again, but what we also did was, and, and I talk about this a lot with, with companies who get funding very early, is if you don't get funding, it makes you think creatively because you haven't yeah. got the, the, the money's not there. So often, particularly in the early days, we'd have people saying, oh, can we send a mailing to your database and we go yeah and then we go back to them and say well have you got a database and well yeah we've got a database well we'll send a mailing of our to our database for your product but could you send a date a mailing to your database for our product yeah no money takes no money yeah. changes hands and i think that sort of creative thinking comes from not having funding so our first particularly our first couple of years were very um just scrabbling around and just taking every opportunity that was there yeah so the key thing is like a starting a business you focus on like what we can do right now and we figure out later on right like you starting out on a new niche you, you don't know about like how it's going to pan out and unless you do it you don't have like any experience do i like that do i like this kind of clients or do i like this kind of clients so more you work with like more people then you realize no this is the niche i want to go in after running the business three to five years then you focus on a one niche but before that like you have no idea like who to serve and am i gonna able to get the results there after so it's a great thing but a lot of people get paralyzed on that like they niche down on the one thing 
and they thought like uh, this is my expertise is and I'm gonna stick around with it which is a great thing but at the same time like uh, do you believe like you can bring value to your clients or customers are they actually liking your product or services so you have to keep that on your mind as well so moving forward like uh, starting a business first year like uh, you took whatever you can and then paying your bills and like uh, your freelancers then is there like a gone like easier to running a business like a two, three years onwards or like do you have to get some kind of setbacks like I felt like hey, I'm going to quit? Yeah, we I think we were we were we were quite lucky. And, and again, people who are looking to launch a business and, and we yeah. were lucky we launched into a growing market. So the old phrase, you know, rising tide raises all the ships. Hmm. You know, we we believe we were good at what we were doing, but we could have been crap at what we were doing and we still improved because the market was growing yeah so the first the first um well probably the, the first big step we had was after five years so we we took on freelancers and we took more freelancers on so we we could do more stuff um and the, and the market grew and then one of our our main our main freelancer quit mm. and said he, he was going to get a, a full-time job didn't want to do freelancing anymore and that was a that was our first sort of um, fork in the road, yeah. Because we've been we've been working from home, and by then it turned into a, you know, a quite a nice lifestyle business. It was okay. And at this point, it was like, okay, do we stick or twist here? Yeah. And we were lucky that our local council was giving um, was funding sort of free business counsellors. So we took our business to this counsellor and sort of said. It was the first time we'd really shown it to anybody and said, look, we've been doing this, sort of make it as we go along. What do you think? And and he 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 was very good and, and basically said, right, go for it because you're doing really well. And, it, and he taught me a very, very key lesson. And, and when you're growing a business, you know, one of the first steps, one of the first most difficult steps is taking on your first member of staff. Yeah. So when is your own business? If it goes well, great. You can pay yourself. If it doesn't go well, great. Well, you know, we're having beans on toast for tea for a week. You know. <laughs> yeah. But once you take somebody on, it's like, oh shit. I mean, you know, I'm responsible for putting food on their table, for their paying their rent, paying their mortgage. Oh my god, their kids wear on their shoes. You know, it 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 looks like and it feels like a really big responsibility. But this guy said, actually, so he said, you know, get an office and take some staff on. And I said, well, you know. If I'm paying somebody 24 grand a year, I haven't got 24 grand a year spare. He said, well, no, your exposure actually isn't 24 grand. It's actually just two grand. Yeah. Because, and this is not, I'm not telling people to sack people straight away. But what he said was, you know, if it doesn't work out after the first month, you give them a month's notice and that's it. So you're only overexposed 2,000 pounds, mm -hmm. not 24,000 pounds. Um, and he said, well, you know, if you're going to get an office, make sure you get a break clause in it. So we got a three-year tenancy deal. We had an 18-month break clause. So what he did was he, he broke down that, the size of the big step yeah. to something that makes you think, well, okay, we're all right. We're in for, if it really goes badly, we're in for 18 months rent and one month salary. We actually took two members of staff on. Um, and that, that really makes it that bit easier. So that was our first big step yeah yeah that's how it happens on the service-based businesses like you have to rely on clients and everything and you don't know where is the money going to come from and mm -hmm. at the beginning it's scary right and 
there is no steady lead flow coming in. Like they don't know you, you know, new in the business, you're not getting that much referrals because client testimonies and everything matters. So what do you do with that business then after like a growing the business? Like I think I remember you sold it. Yeah. All right. So we, so that was, that was five years in. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the next 12 years, it, it grew. There were obviously there were, there were various uh, setbacks and, and, and changes, but um a lot of people get very, very personally attached to their businesses. Mm. And like, oh my God, it's my baby and all that sort of thing. And and yes, I was very much that as well. But quite quite early into it, I was always always of the opinion, well, you know, if somebody gives us enough money, I'm quite happy to sell it. And and some people can do that and some people can't do that. And basically, long story short, somebody approached us and said, we'd like to buy your business. Um, we said, okay how much <laughs> they said this much and we went okay that's you know that's a very very simple version of it um and we sold um but we weren't at the time we weren't actively for sale and if we hadn't sold that was fine we'd have just carried on hmm. um so, so we were in profitable that time right oh huge i mean we were, we were profitable after probably uh probably 18 months to two years we were profitable so we grew. So we never we never had to take um, any investment. So we hundred percent owned the business. Yeah. Um, and it grew and grew and grew. So it was it was very very profitable by the time we sold it, and and we we still owned hundred percent of the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you always had the plan like you're gonna exit from the business like when you're starting out like I'm gonna sell it one day or like did you just grow and know I'm gonna retire from the company or I'm gonna pass it on to my family. Um, yeah it's a strange one you know a lot of people talk about um you know when you launch your business you should have a plan and an exit plan and all that sort of thing we had nothing like that at all you know the aim of the business originally was to put food on the table that was that was the aim (laughs) and then after that it was okay maybe you can buy a nicer car and maybe then you can go on a nicer holiday then you can maybe buy a nicer house it was those sort of steps um and we'd actually got to the point uh i'm just thinking from timeline probably 10 11 years in and 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 some business owners will recognize this um i actually got i got bored with the business Mm -hmm. because a lot of business owners get excited about the whole launch and you know the the initial growth and then when when you get to the point where all the plates are spinning and it's like you can sit back and go oh this is all right i got a bit bored so we actually put the put the business up for sale this was before we sold a few years before we sold and and we didn't sell at that time but we'd always had a plan b which right. was plan b was get somebody else in to run it okay which allowed me to step away which actually longer term makes it more and this is for every business mm. Now, one of the things you should do as a business founder is try and, as soon as possible, make yourself redundant from the business because then you've got something to sell that doesn't rely on you. So when we came to sell, I was, although I was involved in a day-to-day basis, I was more working on the business rather than in the business. So when the sale came along, I was happy to sell. I was comfortable selling, but we hadn't built it to sell it. Right. We built it to fund a lifestyle. And yeah. then it grew and grew and grew. Yeah, interesting. 
that's how, how I started my business. But right now I'm thinking of like have the exit plan as well. Like uh, life is not guaranteed. Sometimes like uh, you feel like uh, your health is not with you or like you need to sell it for like you need a big amount of money for whatever reason is. And there's yeah. always a strategy. But when a lot of startups, when they started, like right now is a software company, especially like they want to exit. They're not thinking about the customers. They're not thinking about lifestyle. They're not thinking about growing the business. They mainly focusing on get the EBITDA and like a seller for multiple for investors. And then if the company gets down, then it gets down. They just take their money out. So that's yeah. like a selfish way to like build a business. When you're doing yeah. it for yourself, like when you wants to provide for your family, put the food on the table, then obviously you're caring about your clients, your customers, because if they don't pay you, like there is the food on the table. But other people, mostly they're thinking about how they're going to buy a Ferrari, Lamborghini, like a big mansion. And yeah, like whatever you're earning as a customer or not, that doesn't bother to them. So what will be number one advice you can give to someone looking to get started with their business or currently have a business? Um, I think my my advice, not necessarily, well, I think there's a, there's a couple, there's two or three bits of advice I would, I would yeah, say. Sure. And, and the first is when you're starting to launch a business, your first question should be, what is the pain point that I'm addressing? And what is my solution to that pain point? And then why would people or why should people use my solution to that pain point rather than the one they're existingly using? Okay, so if, if you've got all those three questions set up, then you've got an effective business because you've got a pain point that's been identified. You've got a solution to it and your solution is, is better, however better might be, than what's there. And, and, and then obviously within that, you know, are people willing to pay to solve that pain point? And I would say that would be my, I'd always say that would be your start point. But within that, as, a, as an individual, I would always recommend that people go with their gut feeling. Mm -hmm. So you look at, so obviously you can do the, you can do the research, you can do a SWOT analysis or all, all, all the, the sort of desk work that you can. And after that, you go, right, what is my gut telling me is the right thing to do here? And it might even be that the research is running contra to what your gut feeling is saying. And the reason I say that is number one is if you do it and it's successful, you were right. Fantastic. And if you do it and you are wrong, fine. I went with my gut. It was wrong. I'll learn from it. I'll do the next thing. The problem is if you don't follow your gut, all that happens is you second guess yourself all the time because you go, what would have happened if I'd done, you know, I'd turn left rather than turn right, you know, whatever yeah. that might be. And also when you, when you're rolling with your gut feeling, I, I always believe you're more motivated to follow that. You know, almost your gut feeling is saying turn left, but yeah. everybody, you know, the science, the data, the research says turn right. You're only turning right because somebody's told you to turn right, not because you think you should turn right. Yeah. <laughs> so they they would be my my uh, pointers to anybody who who's starting or thinking about launching a business. That would be my that would be my brain process. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. So, Phil, we're coming to the end of this podcast. It's been a great pleasure having you on the show. And, yeah, great discussion as well. So, those who are listening, anyone wants to learn more about yourself or your business, where's the best place to find you? Okay, the best place to find me is either on LinkedIn, so just search for Phil Fraser, um, or go to my website, which is philfraser.co.uk. 
don't go to philfraser.com because philfraser.com is a medieval costume company. So if you see pictures of like Robin Hood and bows and arrows and all that sort of thing, you're on the wrong site. So it's philfraser.co.uk. All right. Thank you so much for sharing that. So that's, uh, we are coming to end of this podcast. So it's been a great pleasure having you. And yeah, I wish you best of luck with your personal life, your business. And I hope you have a wonderful day ahead. All the best. And thanks for having me on. Yeah, the pleasure was mine. So that's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. I hope you got some value from it and enjoyed our conversation. So if you're interested to learn more about Phil, go visit his website and also you can find him on LinkedIn. So until then, I'll talk to you in the next episode. Take care.